This podcast is sponsored by some of the great companies that believe in our mission here at Student Housing Insight, which is simply make student housing better. Our sponsor for this episode is Carter Young, which is a firm that specializes in bad debt recovery for student housing operators. Their president, Steve Carter, reached out to me and said, Wes, I want you to use this sponsorship for this episode to help point the spotlight on groups that are helping people during this pandemic and encourage others to help where they can. I told Steve about the stories I've heard this week of students who are losing their part-time jobs and parents have lost jobs and they literally don't know how they are going to buy food. So we are using Steve's advertising time to talk about a resource that can put you in touch with food banks serving university students. That resource is the College and University Food Bank Alliance. Combating hunger and food insecurity for college students is the focus of their members, and right now more than ever, those university food banks are so important. So if you already know of a food bank that services a university, go make a donation. If not, go to the Alliance's website at cufba.org, again, that's cufba.org, and find one near you today and go make a donation. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. Man, I have opened up this podcast for nearly 80 episodes over the past two and a half years with that tagline. And I can tell you over the past two weeks, I've been so incredibly proud of the true leaders in this industry and how they bring this industry to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and welcome to another special episode in our continuing coverage of the COVID-19's impact on the student housing industry. To the avid listeners of the podcast, you were anticipating this episode to be part two of our leasing and marketing during a pandemic episode. It's coming, I promise. But I wanted to put this episode out ahead of that one because it it involves some timely information related to the third phase stimulus package that was just passed by the Senate and likely be passed by the House by the end of the week. So I wanted to skip this one ahead. So this week in the off-campus housing world, we've had two main webinars that allowed us as an industry to hear from folks about the impacts being felt so far. CAPRE had a webinar on Tuesday that discussed both operations and what's happening from a brokerage and capital side. Student Housing Business held a webinar on Wednesday with lead operators discussing the impact on operations and how our industry is banding together. We'll provide the links in those show notes if you missed either of those and and want to go back and listen. Additionally, Akuho I has been posting recordings of their virtual roundtables on COVID-19 to their YouTube channel. I highly suggest our audience members watch these videos if you want to get an idea of what on-campus housing departments are dealing with in this crisis. I can't stress enough to all members of our industry, regardless if you're on campus or off campus, communication is so key right now, and that doesn't necessarily mean we are talking face-to-face, but that we are dialed in to what problems each of us are coping with. Otherwise, we can't help each other. So please, off-campus folks, spend some time finding, reading, 
and commenting on digital threads and platforms for on-campus professionals and vice versa. Not only will that help us create better solutions, but it also gives you some insight so you can make the best decisions for your own organization. And of course, this type of communication is exactly what our online community at studenthousinginsight.com was built for. So please, if you're not a member yet, go to studenthousinginsight.com and click on the login logo that's in the upper right-hand corner and then click sign up in the pop-up screen. All right, let's dive into why this episode is so important. I've been in the industry for over two decades, and I've observed two previous national crisis moments, one being the 9-11 terrorist attacks and the 2008 crash that led to the Great Recession. In both cases, the National Multi-Housing Council, based in Washington, D.C., was an enormous resource for not only providing guidance, but also for communicating the impact on the rental housing market to government agencies and lawmakers. I also credit NMHC for being the conduit for pulling together the firms in off-campus student housing to discuss this crisis with the pandemic and help them develop plans to best serve their residents and protect their employees. In addition to that, NMHC has done a ton to communicate to our congressional leaders how this crisis is impacting private student housing providers specifically. So I wanted to sit down with Dave Borzos and Matthew Berger, who lead up all things student housing in NMHC, and talk about what they are seeing and hearing, as well as what they are thinking they will see in this Phase 3 stimulus package that is over $2 trillion. So let's cut to that interview. Dave and Matthew, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for having us. I wish we were here under better circumstances, but we really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today and share our thoughts as to the industry's response to the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, good morning, everybody. I think it's a bit unusual for all of us. I think we're probably all holed up in our respective houses. Um, so it's it's kind of an odd uh, scenario to, to be doing all these from home. Yeah. And, and first of all, I, I want to thank you guys for taking time to, to be on the show today and talking to our audience members. Uh, you know, it's in times like this when everything is, you know, it's it's just changing so quickly and you know, the days feel like a week and, you know, a week feels like a month. So I know it's a, a big sacrifice for you guys to carve out some time for us. And I just want to I want to say thanks for that. No, we're glad to be here and our hearts go out to everybody who's been negatively impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. Well, I'm assuming that all of you guys are safe and everybody in the in the office is safe and just working from home at this point. Yes, we're uh, um, everybody. <laughs> We had a, a funny thing. Uh, somebody passed around uh, a picture of what "quote unquote" their office looked like at home. So everybody at work has been sharing their their new office space. So some pretty creative uh, office space being circulated among NMAC uh, staff. I'm sure. So for for our audience members that may not be familiar with what NMHC does, can uh, can you give a, a quick overview of the organization's mission and how you guys not only serve its members but also how you work closely with the with the country's legislators? Sure. So the National Multifamily Housing Council is a trade association based in Washington D.C. that is designed to bring together the executives and leading 
uh, C-suite professionals and really all professionals of the nation's uh, apartment farms and student housing firms. And what we do is we try to share information and best practices. We put on a bunch of conferences throughout the year, including our very successful annual meeting in January. We have an OpTech conference scheduled uh, for November, which we hope will continue um, despite the COVID-19 uh, crisis that is currently confronting uh, the nation. We also, um, important to your audience, Wes, and important to Dave and I in particular, we put on a student housing conference that's scheduled for October. Um, and what we do is we try to make sure that we share information and best practices with the industry. But what we also do is we try to influence policy on wa- in Washington, D.C., in Congress and among the federal agencies to make sure that they understand and respond to the needs of our industry so that we can produce and preserve apartment units in, in both the conventional space and the student space. Well, great. Thanks for thanks for outlining that for everybody. So let, let's dive into kind of how you guys are, are representing the the industry and, and student housing specifically throughout this crisis. Back on March 13th, NMHC sent a letter to the minority and majority leaders of the Senate and the House to outline relief requests in response to the pandemic. I want to read that really quick. And that letter, NMHC stated the following outline specifically for student housing relief. Colleges and universities across the nation are increasingly shuttering their doors, ordering students not to return to campus from spring break and moving their educational coursework online in response to the outbreak. Private student housing operators work side by side with colleges and universities to house their student populations and are an integral part of campus life. Student housing leases operate under a different model than the multifamily housing leases, which pose significant financial challenges if prolonged absences at college campuses are ordered. In addition, possible construction delays at ongoing projects could threaten the opening or viability of entire student housing communities. These challenges will, much like other critical industries, require financial relief. That has been something that, uh, you know, has played through my mind over and over again this past week as we've you know, we, we've seen not just campuses shutting down, but the cities that these campuses are in putting shelter in place orders in place and just, you know, trying to figure out how long is this going to last? Can you walk me through a little bit on, on how you guys drafted this relief request uh, specifically for student housing and who was involved in that process? Sure. We, Matthew and I uh, maintain constant contact with <clears throat> all of our student housing firms and look for the uh, guidance and input from them in terms of what they're experiencing. And while uh, student housing is included in kind of the broader multi-family definition, there are certainly unique aspects to how our industry operates, whether it's, uh, you know, everybody um, having a one-year lease that expires all at the same time, a lease-up timeframe, which coincides with universities onset of the fall programs. So there are a, a number of different elements that, that make uh, student housing specifically unique. And so we're, we want to make sure whenever we're dealing with regulators, with uh, agencies, with decision makers at a federal level, that they understand not only the multifamily industry broadly, but what are some of the unique and specific issues that are pertinent to what is an exceedingly important part of the business as well. Matt, anything you want to add to that? You know, we always try to take a look um, from a couple of perspectives. One is how can we make sure that our student housing operators 
uh, and developers can continue their business from a you know capital access and markets perspective, but also to make sure that the residents uh, are able um, and their families are able to finance their their obligations as well, given the disruption that has that has occurred. So we've sort of looked at the policies from those two angles. So I, I certainly saw over the past two weeks how the student housing leaders, and I say leaders meaning the leading companies that I would say probably the top 10 as far as bed size count were really kind of coming together, you know, through social media, their correspondences with their employees and and on their websites to their, to their residents. And I was like, wow, this is really uniform. And, and, you know, began talking to some of those operators about, you know, loving that response. And, you know, they, they came back and said, well, you know, NMHC put us all on a phone call together and, and we've, you know, we've been able to, to thanks to NMHC really been able to coordinate this very well. So thanks so much for, for doing that. And it, it has really, it's really shown in the way that they've responded. So, so thanks so much for that. So we're sitting here Wednesday morning, March 25th. Last night, the, the stimulus bill was passed, but I want to understand a little bit how you've been advising the leaders on relief for student housing. And, and specifically, I know there's a part about uh, package three that you guys are paying close attention to as it relates to student housing. Can you, you guys jump into that a little bit? Absolutely. So the uh, phase three package has been ongoing uh, negotiations since uh, late last week. And I'm sure everybody has waited for bated breath to, see final language in which we have not seen yet. And the full votes haven't taken place yet. So we anticipate the announcement having been made of, of coming to an agreement, but the vote still uh, is going to occur. So we, Matthew and I are, are waiting for what the final language is, but let me give you a little bit of insight into what we expect to see in there. Um, and while we have worked tirelessly to, with those who are drafting the bill and those who can influence uh, information in there, the amount of very specific relief directed at uh, the multifamily industry may not be <clears throat> as reflected in this phase three package as we would like. Now, having said that, you should fully expect there's going to be a phase four package. And so I think any indications that to the degree that there are uh, elements that we are still looking for, it's going to be likely in this phase four package. So let me let me talk about what we are expecting in phase three and two kind of high level components, which I think are important. And I'll let Matthew talk about uh, tax since it's an area that he knows way more than I do. First and foremost, from a small business perspective, and and small businesses are a lifeblood for the entire country. <clears throat> they employ a lot of people. Uh, a lot of them uh, may be residents um, or have kids who are residents um, in both multifamily or uh, student housing as well. And that business package is a um, structure to help support businesses continue to keep people employed, even if they are not receiving any revenue or have had dramatic falls off in revenue. Um, the loan, really the intent in doing that uh, was to provide a prop to these small business to continue to meet payroll and other expenses such as mortgage and rents, et cetera, uh, to sustain the lifeblood of that. And to the degree that they actually focus on that, and that's what they spend the money on, the loan is actually forgivable. And so it, that's a pretty critical lifeline. I think it's being for businesses. It probably sustains them for about two months. And I think we're 
you know, see what's going to happen in two months. Nobody can forecast given how quickly things have evolved, even to this week alone, two weeks, two months is incredibly difficult to forecast. So that's a, if I were to pick anything out of the bill that I think, and there's lots of information in the bill, it's well over 500 pages. Um, that is something that would be a, a critical lifeline for a lot of small businesses. I'm going to let Matthew talk about some tax things that will be beneficial for businesses as well. Yeah. So on the tax side, it, you know, the, one of the more beneficial provisions that we, we've actually asked for is a carryback of so-called net operating losses. So such that if you've got a net operating loss from 2020 for your business, but you were profitable in so say 2018 or 2019, what you can do is you can carry back this year's loss against that year's gain um, and get an immediate tax refund. We are also expecting a potential employer retention tax credit, as well as the ability to perhaps defer uh, payroll taxes um, with half repaid until the end of 2021 and half repaid at the end of 2022. Um, under that proposal, payroll taxes would be deferred on the employer side uh, for the remainder of this calendar year. Um, additionally, I think it's worth mentioning that last week, the president signed into law what was known as the phase two coronavirus package that uh, mandated um, paid sick leave for two weeks um, for employees impacted by the coronavirus um, in a, a variety of uh, possible ways, and as well as another 10 weeks of paid leave uh, for employees who have to take care of a child whose school uh, was closed. So those are now, um, those are already lost. Gotcha. So I, I think this next question may be a little bit more of a request than it is a question. Obviously, the student housing industry is dependent upon students and, and those students need to be close to campus. I've been really amazed at, at how most university administrators made decisions and announcements about closing dorms and instructing students to to go to their permanent address with no thought to discuss or even give advance notice to the off-campus housing operators. I, I'm concerned, very concerned, that university administrators will react the same way when it comes to making a decision on continuing remote study, maybe even into the fall. I've spoke with with many and been a part of roundtables that, uh, you know, I could tell you they're, they're they're still thinking about summer and what they're going to do with summer. They're not even thinking about fall just yet. For, for our industry, it, it's this lack of communication that I think is creating so much uncertainty um, on, on where we can expect leasing to pan out and you know if these purpose-built student housing communities will even have residents in the fall. Is there anything NMHC can do in, in partnership with with other organizations to get the world to get the word out to these university administrators to coordinate with off campus providers uh, better? Is that is that something that um, one are you guys hearing that from uh, from your members as well? And you know, is there anything that you guys may be able to do to help with that? Yeah, you know, each university makes their own decisions on how they're going to manage the remainder of the year, each one of them you know, kind of operate on an independent basis. It's a bit difficult to um, work individually with any of those universities. I think um, it is a concern that has been raised by our members, and we are trying to figure out what may be the most effective way to convey a message as it pertains to um, how, uh, you know, in to coordinate with and make decisions that not only influence on campus, but off campus as well. 
it look, it's something super fluid right now. It's a bit difficult to look at, you know, five plus months out in terms of will universities come back? We just don't know. I mean, it's early on. Um, I think in, you know, the decisions and announcements that have been made, unfortunately, have been made and would be difficult to, to uh, kind of pull any of those announcements back. But it is something that we are looking at right now, the best way to ensure that universities acknowledge the important role that on campus and off campus uh, housing providers provide and how to efficiently and effectively work with them and recognizing that their decisions impact uh, the livelihood of, of those businesses as well. So I, I've talked to several developers over the past week, and they have projects currently under construction that they are trying to deliver before the fall semester begins. They're scared to death that you know the governor in the state they're working in or a mayor in the city that they're working in will institute a, a shelter-in-place order that ends up shutting down their construction site. And, and you know, conventional multifamily, a, a delayed move-in you know, affects that that month or, or that quarterly financial statement. But in student housing, as you guys well are aware of, um, for both on and off campus, that type of impact destroys an entire year and, and puts students in temporary housing like hotels that can be extremely difficult to manage. Most states seem to be including uh, housing construction in their essential services list. But are, are there other legislative concerns with the pandemic that you guys are, are watching and that, that may end up affecting these developers from delivering on time this summer? And I know we've had some other conversations uh, before this call in, in regards to how you guys are, are, are communicating with groups that are that are coming up with these essential services lists. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that as well. Sure. Um, <clears throat> look, I, I think there if I were to classify and the three major issues that we're hearing from our members and the conversations we've been having with them. You just identified one of them uh, being from a developer's perspective, what happens if they get delayed, whether it's because of supplier issues, whether it's their subcontractors, whether it's a local locality, whether it's a state or city level who are restricting ongoing construction. This super revolving situation right now is creating a lot of uncertainty. We've had that is one of the major issues. The, we've talked a little bit about what happens in the fall, um, and that is clearly another issue, which is broad based in terms of you know the fundamental uh, overarching uh, impact to kind of the entire secondary learning market. And then the other one is on a short term basis. What happens on a short term basis? Where you had mentioned before about universities kind of shutting their doors. Will other students who are off campus come back? We get some indication that they still want to. They feel that, you know, if the university converts into an online, that they want to, they're going to study better Wi-Fi on campus, et cetera. So <clears throat> next uh, next month is going to be very telling. So back to your development question. Look, it's something that we consider to be exceedingly important. We do. It's something that we're, we focus on broadly. Um, it's not kind of a uniform agreement yet in terms of, Housing, and we include student housing involved in that as well, that the proclamations at a federal level that come through DHS and an agency inside DHS called Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. <clears throat> We've been sending letters to them individually, as well as in a, more of a coalition to ensure on a federal level that 
housing and their housing operators are included in essential infrastructure. And so that's something that we will continue to push on to ensure that um, we can continue to move forward on a development basis. The other part that um, may be impacting it is that some of the subs don't necessarily understand. And we've had some uh, feedback from our members that some of the subs <clears throat> didn't show up when some of these things first came out. But I think as things are settling in, I think they are returning to the job sites. Uh, the big issue is what happens if you have members that start to get impacted by um, the virus? And secondly, supply issues. Um, it started to trickle in a little bit that some of the uh, subcontractors who work on development are having uh, some supply issues, but that has not been a big issue as of yet. Again, we're thinking about it, we're still early on in this, um, but it is something that we have just begun to hear. So the the same day that NMHC sent this letter to congressional leaders, I, I had a client who was set to close that day on an acquisition. The lender literally stopped the transaction about an hour before everything was set and, and said, due to the national emergency, and you know, which had only been claimed two days prior, they were now changing, you know, their underwriting to almost a zero percent occupancy for for the next academic year, and, and stated they would need another two and a half million dollars in collateral in order to proceed. Are you guys hearing stories like that across the industry, or is my client just extremely unlucky? And I guess the the bigger question I'm asking is, what's going on with the capital markets? What's going on with with agencies right now? I can't respond directly to that specific situation, and I, you know, in discussions with our members, I've not heard <clears throat> that is a specific issue. It doesn't mean that it's not happening elsewhere, uh, nor uh, does it not have the potential or it does definitely has the potential to increase in frequency as we move forward. Having said that, you know, I think the near term focus is really on how to support the capital markets now. And there have been a number of things that have evolved in the last week, which are <clears throat> positive indicators that those who are influencing capital flows, et cetera, are moving in directions to try and support that. So <clears throat> first and foremost, FHFA, which has been a, you know, the regulator of uh, Fannie and Freddie, has allowed them to provide guidance regarding forbearance uh, for up to 90 days if people are being impacted by COVID-19 virus. That was certainly something we've been <clears throat> asking them to uh, roll out since they had done that for the single family market last week. It's a 90-day forbearance. The idea that you then have to pay that back um, sometime next year. Well, actually, when the COVID pandemic ceases, there has to be a repayment within the next 12 months after that. That certainly is a positive move as it pertains yeah. to any multifamily property that may be negatively impacted by COVID-19. So that that that's a, a movement in the right direction. There are certainly elements that are still unique to the student housing market. And we are having a call with the regulator this afternoon, and we will be covering some of those topics and issues with them at that point in time. So that's a, the, that takes care of a, a pretty significant provider of debt for the overall market. Secondly, um, on a banking side, which uh, clearly they're providing a lot of construction loan as well as other permanent loans. The five banking regulators this week also issued guidance to the depositories telling them to work with their borrowers and to the degree that there was any loan modifications or including forbearance, uh, that they would not 
<clears throat> view those as negatively and require the banks to reclassify those as troubled debt restructurings. Uh, you may hear a term thrown around over the next couple of weeks is TDR, and TDR would require the depositories to reclassify that asset and hold more capital against it. So that's actually a regulatory relief um, that was welcome news for the depositories who have outstanding debt to the multifamily and student housing market as well. <clears throat> and then in a broad-based support, the Federal Reserve uh, rolled out on Monday a significant and very broad-based support for a lot of different pieces of the overall financial market, and some of them have direct impact on uh, certain aspects of the market to support large companies, small companies. And so I think uh, a number of those moves were certainly uh, very welcome and were uh, very significant in terms of size. The one other element that we haven't seen yet that the Federal Reserve had mentioned is something called the Main Street Lending Program, which would target small and medium-sized companies to, again, help support them during this time. They were uh, targeting to release that information sometime this week. So as soon as we know that, that may also provide additional relief and support for businesses and a number of them who may be within the uh, student housing space as well. Dave, what what data would you suggest? I mean, because we're all just being inundated with, you know, the, the number of cases in the U.S. and the world, the number of deaths. And I think everybody, because those numbers are, you know, scrolling at the bottom or they're in, you know, a bright red on the right hand side of the screen. Everybody's kind of drawing to that and, and and thinking about, you know, that's what's impacting everything. When it comes to uh, advising the members and advising the, the government agencies, is there is there data or key indicators out there that you would suggest that everybody needs to be focused on? Yeah, I, I think in addition to that, I think the, the traditional data providers are scrambling trying to figure out what are the metrics uh, that they need to start looking at that may be different uh, than what they've looked mm-hmm. before. And we have a, a number of key data providers within the student housing industry, RealPage, Yardi, and Trata, who are uh, large accumulators of a lot of the performance information within this industry. In our call this week with our member firms, and it's something that we started last week and we will, we've got a month, a weekly call schedule with them as well. There was a discussion about this exact topic. What would be most meaningful and helpful for policymakers to hear, right? Because they are drinking from a fire hose right now and we can't expect them to, to look up information or uh, data themselves. And so one of the key things that we have been telling everybody within that uh, group is that March looks pretty good because all of this hit after people had made March payments. The thing that would be very telling for this industry is, and I think it's very telling for everybody, what happens on April 1 or between April 1 and April 5th when people's payments are due. So we, um, we ask our members at that point in time, and I think they were interested in having NMHC you know, kind of be a central point to, to look at trying to get some of that information accumulated. And we're not looking for a lot of data points. It would be a kind of a industry-wide, what does rent collection look like in April? How does it compare to March? And how does it compare gotcha. to the same period last year? If I were to pick any one topic, that is probably the key indicator of how this industry and how 
the apartment industry is going to be impacted um, in April. I think a lot of people are concerned, not only in April, but a lot of people think that if this continues through April, that May is going to be even worse. So these are things that we are closely monitoring and we are going to be working with our members to get the key information that will help decision makers within the legislative as well as the regulatory sphere make informed decisions. So um, stay tuned. It's something that we're going to be closely monitoring ourselves. Lots of other information coming out from lots of other analytic firms and economists, et cetera. But, you know, Matthew and I are specifically focused on what's impacting this segment of the industry. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I appreciate you guys taking the lead on that. Uh, you know, regardless of what organization I, I've been with or been employed by or have been advising over the years and and folks ask me what's the one organization or what is what are the organizations that we need to be a member of as as a student housing operator and every time it's it's NMHC and I just thank you guys for everything that you're doing um, for the industry you know regardless if it was at least in my lifetime between you know 911 the 2008 uh, crisis and throughout the recession. And, and now with this, uh, you guys have kind of been that key point that we've all gone back to and, and said, okay, how do we, how do we need to pivot during this time? How is this going to, you know, how do we let people know that, that we're doing okay or that we need help? And you guys have, have been there for that. So I want to, I want to thank you guys for, for doing that. And uh, of course, urge all of our listeners who are not members of NMHC to make sure that 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 is something that you're contributing to because that is an ROI that I don't think um, anybody can necessarily uh, put a uh, put an immediate number on as far as uh, as far as a a one year membership. But I could tell you over the past two decades, it has served to be very, very valuable. So thanks for everything you guys are doing. Well, we appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to have this conversation with you. And, and hopefully it's been informative uh, for all your listeners. And uh, Matthew uh, and my information is on NMHC's website. Should anybody want to reach out to us directly via email, happy to have a conversation with uh, anybody uh, who's looking for more information, data, or quite honestly, is you just and better than we could, um, interested in, in uh, becoming a member of NMHC. Well, perfect, guys. I appreciate it. And take care. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate well, it. Thanks, thanks, Wes. We really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's it for today. Don't forget to sign up for the SHI community at studenthousinginsight.com. If you have any questions for me or suggestions on how we can best serve you, please email me at contact at studenthousinginsight.com. Also, don't forget to rate this podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you consume your podcasts. Guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and let's make student housing better.